Hi, guys. I have been on a science communication kick lately, so I thought it would be a great time to talk about this topic. And it was inspired by a tweet exchange that I had with another scientist on Twitter, of course, and I'll talk about that in the beginning. But it's about using Pinterest for science communication or and conservation, which is what I am really interested in and where this conversation is going. But it's also more than just about Pinterest. It's about really thinking about the best ways to reach people and where the audience that you really want to reach is. So let's get started. Let's get into it. I'm super excited to talk to you about using Pinterest for science communication and conservation. Hi, I'm Dr. Stephanie Shuttler, a wildlife biologist who's learned throughout her career studying animals that science alone cannot save species. We need you. In the Fancy Scientist podcast, you'll learn about fun animals, conservation tips, and science advice, all while breaking stereotypes about what a scientist looks like. Let's get started. I've been meaning to write a blog post about Pinterest for a long time, Still haven't done it, but I thought it would be a great time to talk about Pinterest on the podcast first, and then I'll come up with a blog post. But Pinterest is an amazing, amazing platform for science communication. And how I got to thinking about talking about Pinterest this week was a tweet exchange between me and another scientist. And basically what happened is there was initial Twitter or there was initial tweet from an organization saying that they needed participants for a citizen science butterfly uh, project. And the scientist retweeted that tweet but he included a comment about how participation was declining. And I couldn't help myself, but I felt like I needed to encourage him to use some positivity. So I encouraged him to use some conservation optimism and or reframe the tweet using conservation optimism, which is, if you don't know, it's an organization and a movement to, to make conservation more optimistic because conservation in its nature, it's very doom and gloom. We're trying to save animals that are going extinct. We're trying to save places that are getting bulldozed over. And it's really easy to get depressed and upset by it. And there's research to show that these doom and gloom messages can turn people off. I mean, what would what would it be more exciting to you if you heard that this butterfly project needed help, no one's signing up, we really need you? Or would it be, or would you be more attracted to something like, we are having this awesome citizen science butterfly project, here's all the cool ways you can get involved, here's all the benefits you'll get from it. Just by spinning these messages differently, we can attract more people. And that started a conversation between us, and this person was talking about how much they talk about conservation, and especially in relation to pollinator gardens on Twitter, and he was just a little frustrated that they didn't receive as much action, and he really wanted people with a lot of followers, so tens of thousands of followers to retweet this information so that more people could hear about it. But I was commenting that 
even if those people did retweet that information, Twitter is not the best venue to convey that information. And the reason is, is because if you think of like what people go on Twitter for, or at least at least most people, people go to see what's going on in the news, to check up on celebrities, to kind of get the pulse of what's going on in the country, around the world, to do rants, a lot of political rants on Twitter. If you're doing something like landscaping your yard or gardening, you're not really going to Twitter for help. And that's not to say you shouldn't post tweets like this on Twitter. I absolutely do a lot of conservation tweets. I hope I hope to write a blog post about pollinator gardens. I've been trying to write about it for two years now. And every spring, something else happens that delays me. This year was Tiger King. But anyway, I digress. I, I definitely recommend sharing those conservation tweets, but you're going to be sharing them to your audience. And if you're a scientist, a large majority of your followers are probably scientists too, or people who are already interested in science or in our case, nature and wildlife conservation. So that's great. You're going to be reaching them, but you're probably not going to be reaching that many new people that have never heard of this before. And really, a much more effective approach to this topic in particular, I think, is Pinterest. Now, I remember years ago sitting in a science communication seminar, and it was it was given by a communication specialist, a communications graduate student or faculty, I can't remember. But anyway, they were talking about the different social media channels and they included Pinterest. And I was like, Pinterest is so not a social media channel. I thought that in my head. And it just doesn't have the type of interaction that you would have on Instagram or Twitter. Those are the major ones that scientists use. Also, Facebook. So I did not look into it at all. And it really wasn't until I started blogging that I started getting into Pinterest. And the reason why is because so many bloggers get so much of their traffic from Pinterest. Seriously, some bloggers get almost all of their traffic from Pinterest. It's really quite amazing. Okay, so let's talk about what Pinterest is for those of you who don't know before we get into why it is such a great way to spread messages of conservation. So Pinterest, it's called a social media platform, but like I said, there's not a lot of interaction between people. It's kind of like Instagram in that it's really focused on images, mostly static images, but now they're switching or adding clips of video as well. And it's basically like a virtual cork board. So if you think way back then, I think they still make them, not sure how many people use them. But if you liked something, like say you were flipping through a magazine and you liked something, you would tear it out and maybe pin it to a board or or save it for later. It's, it's that kind of, kind of idea, but doing that virtually. So it's really popular for people who are planning weddings, especially. 
And you create these different boards according to different themes. So if you're planning a wedding, you might have one that's entitled flowers or bouquets. You might have one for wedding dresses, engagement rings, wedding rings, wedding venues or colors. And then you search Pinterest and it will give you images back that match that search description. And then whenever you see something you like it, you just pin it, you just save it, and it will save it to that board. So that's one of the ways that you can find content for Pinterest. Another is you can follow people that you're interested in. So you can go on Pinterest and search for me, the fancy scientist, and you'll see my boards. And then whenever you go to your home feed for Pinterest, my pins will show up in in the in your home feed in addition to pins that Pinterest will think you like. And this is based on an algorithm on your past pinning history. People therefore really use Pinterest as a way to search for and organize their information. I absolutely do this and I did this even before I started pinning for my career, for my my blog and my science outreach. I had boards mostly devoted to recipes and I would frequently look for things I wanted to make on Pinterest and then and then pin them to to different boards for you know vegan eating or baking under these different topics. And then once I learned about how powerful Pinterest is for blogging, I went full force on doing Pinterest. Pinterest has 320 million monthly users, but more importantly than the amount of people on Pinterest, I think it's really how they use Pinterest. If you think about Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, when you make your posts, they all go down your timeline. And yes, tweets can get retweeted, so they can stay active for a longer amount of time. But essentially, over time, they go lower and lower and lower to the bottom of your feed. So if somebody goes to your Twitter profile, they'll have to scroll a ways down to be able to see your tweets, unless they're at somebody else's and it's and it's tweeted to the top. So Twitter is a little bit better than this. But Instagram, you, you have no option for that on Instagram. Facebook, you don't either. Pinterest differs from those two in that when other people pin your pin, it goes to the top of their feed and their followers see it. Or if people go to their board and see your pin, then they can see it as well. Obviously, if they see your pin, they can see it. When they go to your board and they see the pin, they may pin it as well. So it's a little bit more of what we call evergreen content. And for Twitter and the other social media platforms, it's kind of strange for people to go and take a deep dive into your feed. People, I mean, they may do it, but I don't think people do it that often. But on Pinterest, it's a pretty common thing to do. If you have an organization or a person you think has really good taste, you might check out all their boards or one of their boards. And I mean, I definitely do this. And if there's a board that interests me, 
really look through all the pins in the entire board. So it's really not that uncommon for your pins to last a really long time. In fact, my most successful pin, let me get the stats for you on it. Okay, so for my most popular pin, it was seen in the last uh, 90 days only, almost 100,000 times. It almost got 100,000 impressions. The exact number is 83,883. And the cool thing that I really like about Pinterest is that it really attracts different types of people. So a lot of people use Pinterest for recipes, like I said, and this pin is actually about a vegan protein shake that I absolutely love. I eat it every single day. And this by far is my most popular pin. And I get so much traffic to this blog post. It's actually one of my top blog posts and it's all because of Pinterest. If you go to Google Analytics and look at the breakdown of this, you can see it's all coming from Pinterest. So this is a really great way to reach people who might not necessarily be in your field. And you might be thinking, what does a protein shake have to do with wildlife or conservation? Well, they come to the post And in the post, I explain why it's great to be vegan, great to be vegan for the planet, which obviously helps wildlife. And I have links to my post on climate change and how your diet can have a great influence on wildlife because of its impacts on on climate change. And, And also in other ways, too. I have a whole blog post about that and a podcast episode on that, too. I'll link that in the show notes. So It really is attracting people who I don't think normally would have found me because it's this one major post. So I love Pinterest for that reason as well. And the way that people use Pinterest, it has a longer interaction time and I think a more meaningful interaction time. Yes, of course, people can pin your stuff and never look at it, but I honestly go back to my pins a lot. And especially if it's something for like doing something to like a project or obviously a recipe. And so this Twitter exchange with a scientist, I was like, you got to get your stuff on Pinterest because This is an amazing way to reach people who may not necessarily care about the environment or wildlife, or maybe they just don't know, but they're interested in gardening. And you could totally make pins about gardening, and then when they get to the post, you can sneak in information about pollinators to them. Or you can also create that in your in your pin. There are a lot of people looking, I'm sure, for pollinator garden information on Pinterest. I certainly was. I have a gardening board, and a lot of it is devoted towards gardening with native plants and for pollinators as well. The other thing that is really fantastic about Pinterest that differs a lot from other social media is that it's like a search engine. So if you've heard me talk about blogging before, I talk about why blogging is better because essentially everyone uses Google. So you type in the thing that you're searching for and Google spits out the results. You can't really do this with Instagram or Twitter. I mean, you can search for words, but it's not really a great search engine tool. And 
it's not that refined and it's going to be really hard for your content to come out at the top or, or to be so successful that your content comes out at the top. These social media platforms will also favor content that is more recent, whereas Pinterest, it's about what's being relevant. So the types of results you will get for your searches are going to be those that best match what you want over the most recent or the most are the are the post that is most interacted with. That's that's what Instagram and Twitter tend to favor. I believe that Pinterest works best when you have a blog because how you will make it work is you will link the images to your blog post so that when people click on the pin, it will take them to your blog post. But you can use Pinterest with social media as well. I would say Instagram, probably not Twitter. It would kind of be weird. But you can take the image and and everything that you're using for your Instagram post and pin that and then link to that specific Instagram post. It's a great way to get followers. But if you're doing a lengthy Instagram post, I highly recommend you start a blog because your content is going to be evergreen that way and you're already putting in the work. So just copy and paste it and get that into a blog. Once someone has saved your pin, then they are more likely to go back to it. Whereas in other social media, they might remember, oh, I saw this article on this. But with Pinterest, they can go back and get the details. So for pollinator gardens, when they are ready to garden, they can go back and check out the blog post. Now, A lot of people think that Pinterest isn't necessarily good for science communication or conservation or things like that. When they think of Pinterest, they think of some of the things that I've said, weddings, recipes, do-it-yourself projects, crafting, fashion. Those are some of the more popular things on Pinterest. But I've found that making pins on these niche categories have they've actually done really well and people like to pin photos of animals so sometimes I don't even have any text on my pins I just post a pretty picture of an animal and then people will pin that to their board I basically pin all of my blog posts and my YouTube videos and my podcasts And some of the more successful ones are ones that are just giving advice. The ones where I give advice on careers in wildlife biology always do really well. Some random animal blog posts that I've done have done really well. Like I have one on on black panthers. What what are they? And what's really going on with these animals? And that one has done incredibly well as as well. So don't think that just because you have a really niche research topic or you write about things that are really niche that people are not going to be looking for it on Pinterest. Pinterest is also really big for teachers. They get a lot of their lesson plans there, a lot of their ideas there. So if they are looking for a certain science topic, yours might come up and that might be really helpful for them. To have Pinterest work for you, though, as a science communication and and conservation platform, you do have to play the Pinterest game. You have to know some rules and you have to, or not rules, but these are the tips that will make your pins way more successful. 
Pinterest favors pins that are in a certain dimension. So it's the two to three aspect. And the way that I make my pins is I use a program called Canva. I love, love, love this program. They have a free version and a paid version. For the longest time, I used the free version, and I just recently upgraded. I was first introduced to Canva several years ago by one of my teachers, but I haven't really started using it until somewhat recently for things like Pinterest and creating YouTube thumbnails. Basically, it's a super easy to use graphic design program. There are tons of fonts in there, tons of little cartoons and pictures, photos that you can use. And like I said, they offer a lot of this for free. One of my favorite parts about Canva though is that it has all of these different templates. So every time that I want to create a new pin, I just search for the Pinterest template and you can choose either a blank one or they have ones that are already pre-filled out for you. I actually usually start with the ones that are already created and then I adjust them. So you just replace your photos with the photos in there. You can tweak the font. You can tweak the colors. They also have all these stock photos in there as well. So you don't even need your photos and the pins look really professional and they are in the exact format that Pinterest really favors. Okay, so you want to make sure that your pins look really nice. You want to use Canva to make sure that they are the right dimensions. I also strongly suggest that you get a Pinterest business account. This will make your pins more likely to be promoted. It also has a slightly different format from the personal users the on the the profile page or the the home page that it just looks more professional so i highly recommend it and it's free you just need to have a facebook page account to link it to so i have a, a stephanie shuttler facebook page is my personal page and then a fancy scientist fake facebook page and the other advantage of getting a, a Pinterest business account is that you can look into the analytics. With the personal one, you can't see which pins are doing well. With the business one, you can look in to see how your different pins and boards are performing over time. So you're gonna have your pins created and you're gonna use a business account and you're gonna start pinning your pins to your different boards. You're going to fill out titles and descriptions and of course your link to your blog post or your Instagram post. You're going to want to use a lot of keywords, use hashtags, all of the same things that you would do for Instagram and even Twitter. The real key though to building up Pinterest traffic is pinning a lot. And of course it's better to pin your own content, but you also wanna mix it up too. You don't wanna just have it all be your own. But seriously, people recommend like five pins a day at least. And I, I actually do this most days, just going in and my home feed and checking out the pins and repinning other people's stuff. It's actually quite fun, but the more active you are, the more it favors your account. And it, it definitely does take a lot of work 
I started out, I don't remember how many monthly views, but it took me, I'd say a good three months of actively working on it. And I've been on a pretty steady rate of having 120,000 monthly views for my Pinterest pins. So, I mean, I think that's pretty incredible. The other cool thing about Pinterest is you don't have to have a lot of number of uh, followers for you to get that sort of impact. Right now, I think I'm just slightly over 500 followers. And to compare you, uh, to compare that to my other platforms on Twitter, I have over 6,000. On Instagram, I have over 4,000. So Pinterest is by far one of my, it is the lower platform. Even actually it is. YouTube and Facebook, I have more followers too, even though it's just a little bit above those. But I get the most out of Pinterest compared to all of the other channels in terms of having people come back to my blog. So this is why I love Pinterest so much and I think it is just such a fantastic tool. Another thing that you should consider if you're going to go down this Pinterest route and be aggressive with it is to join the Tailwind community. This is a really great way to find content to pin and to get other people to pin your content. Tailwind works best when you join their tribes. They are working on changing this name because they have realized the cultural appropriation of it, but currently it's still called tribes. But basically what these are are groups of people who have the same type of content. And in these tribes... You do a pin for a pin usually. There are different rules for each one, but usually it is if you add a pin to the tribe, then somebody else, or then you then you have to pin somebody else's pin as well. And you may think this is kind of counterintuitive, like you're promoting other people's work, but the tribe content can vary slightly so that you're actually accentuating your presence. And like I said, Pinterest really likes it when you pin a lot. So this is a great way to get some high quality pins. People who are in Tailwind know how to pin. So the pins you're going to find there are better anyway. And this is a great way to boost your own pins. For wildlife conservation science, there aren't as many tribes, but I found some that I can fit into. For science, there are a lot for teachers for science class, but I belong in tribes here. I can go to Tailwind and tell you about them. I know that I am in one for nature, conservation, I am in one for sustainable travel and eco-friendly lifestyle. Let me see. Oh, and animals. The animal tribe has a lot of dogs and cats in it. So I actually get a lot of repins from the animal tribe because, like I said, everyone's talking about dogs and cats there, and I'm pinning about these weird animals from around the world. So they definitely capture people's attention. So I absolutely love Tailwind. It has really helped me out. You can get, I think, three months 
for free for their their pro version. And Tailwind also schedules out your pins as well. So when you're using this version, you line up your pins essentially, or it lines up your pins for you on a certain schedule and then it releases them during the times when it thinks that it will do the best. So I love this feature. However, I'm currently not paying for Tailwind. I probably will when I when I start to make more money or I definitely will because I do like it but right now it has all your pins in a queue and it still tells you the best time to release those pins but you have to do it manually Pinterest is really great especially for things related to lifestyle so if we're talking about conservation there is a lot of great info out there for people who are interested in sustainable living I belong to some tribes that focus exclusively on that on that issue so I am also I'm always repinning their sustainable fashions zero waste living how to reduce your plastic use, all different sorts of things like that because there are some bloggers that do this for their life and they're finding amazing products that are really great for the environment or giving you tips so that you can make your own dry shampoo and and other things. It's really great. I love it. So I hoped you all, I hope I convinced you all to start your own Pinterest accounts or get those amped up to business accounts if you haven't. I am a fancy scientist on Pinterest. I'm super easy to find. And like I said, I love Pinterest. It gives me 120,000 views each month. That is, I mean, it's just so awesome compared to the other social media channels. So give it a try. If you're on Pinterest, let me know what your handle is so I can follow you back. I'm always looking for more science-related accounts to follow, animal accounts, conservation accounts, all that jazz. Thank you guys so much for listening today. I would love you so much if you could rate and review my podcast. It really helps other people find this information. And I am doing it all for free because I love you guys. So I would greatly appreciate that so much. Thank you so much again for listening. And I hope you have an amazing day. And be kind to each other and to animals. Bye.